0: Chapter 10. The Hard Way. The carriage had rattled by ten minutes before, but Quinn Pauline waited for another five before coming out from the colonnade along the Gallery of Swile along the street of the Diadem. The baths were just a mile up the street from here, and Quinn was tempted to go speak with the voluptuary about the Hargus visit with her mother. But she couldn't do that now. The Shadline cloak had appeared and signaled his wish to speak with her. She hadn't seen the cloak for over a month now, since the day he had met her outside Radiant Hayali's great house where she had been snooping one night. He and two other masked shadlines had heard her speak the O's right there on the Hayali lawn. The strictures of the order were few, but coming when called was one of them. As a novice, Quinn didn't want to get off on the left foot. The location of their next meeting had been mentioned as she'd left the last one, In this way, the Shadline often moved meeting spots and had no need for a permanent location. Fortunately, her destination was not far from here. Quinn rested her hand on the hilt of her dagger and strode across the street and into the opposite alley. As this was Grissenside, there was no danger from by-street bandits or curl-fever stray dogs. In fact, the alleys were as clean and airy as most terracide streets. Coming to the cellar pub called The Hard Way, she pushed into the dim realm of Grissonside merchants. As the hour was still early, there were few patrons. Those present were sober-faced, bent over mugs of hard black tea, discussing business deals or gossiping about politics. Quinn continued through the establishment, not even drawing a glance from the proprietor who stood behind the bar wiping down quality glassware with clean rags. She stopped and wrapped her scarf around her head and face, twisting and tucking her thick hair out of view and allowing only a slit for her eyes. She tugged on her gloves. The room was not crowded, only five people, three men and two women. They were veiled and every inch of skin covered. But gauging by the quality of the fabrics on display, members of every quarter were present. One man gave off the distinctive odor of the stockyards while a petite round-framed woman had the hunched posture of a grandmother at least a hundred years into life. Without greeting, they motioned Quinn to sit on the other side of the long table. She was not offered a drink. The cloak wore black as always, his only occupation was Shadline business. He was a master swordsman, and his upkeep was supported by the dues paid by members. Quinn had no idea how much money the Shadline Order had socked away in banks across the realms, but she knew at least one hundred cloaks operated in cities around the world. All of them were set up as minor lords, and none ever wanted for ready coin to pay bribes, buy supplies, feed a shadline down on her luck, or to buy property and businesses to serve as fronts for the secret business of the order. You know the cheapskate orphan called Kyla Sai the cloak said to her. He was of indeterminate age, eyes etched with fine lines, but his body strong and lithe. He rarely smiled, but his teeth flashed when he spoke, giving him a wolfish quality. She didn't know his true name. His accent was not starsider, but she couldn't place it. I do know her, cloak. I consider Kyla a friend. It was the most diplomatic way she could phrase her concern. "'coming out and blurting that she would stab him if he tried to hurt Kyla "'would get her nowhere but dead. "'You have seen her blade. She is Shadline. "'I have seen Cain. I intended to mention it to you when we next met.' "'She was safe with that answer because as a novice "'she had to wait to be contacted in order to speak to him. "'She is also a Merculin of growing power and is sought by the Hargath. "'The cloak hissed through his teeth and looked at the others.' The rumors are true, then. Does it matter? Quinn asked. The blade has chosen her. Her mercocene skills are a complication. The order does not usually interfere with the ways of the triumvirate. Quinn didn't see that it mattered. Karla was not a devotee to any of the ways. Not yet. She belongs among our number. We all made oaths to the fraternity of the Shadline. We cannot leave her to the Hargath. If she does not swear the oaths, we have no true obligation to her. I approached her today in cheapskate. She assumed I was trying to swindle her. A rare flash of emotion lifted one side of his mouth. It disappeared as quickly as it had appeared. Quinn thought it might be chagrin. He went on. The stories about our order are usually a benefit in this regard. I appear before them, and they recognize what I signify. They usually express great relief, else grim acceptance. It depends on the nature of the bonded blade. Some are practically a curse when in the wrong hands. But always the Shadline knows the blade for what it is when confronted with the truth. Kyla does not. It has been in her family since she can remember, Quinn said. Her brother carried it. Her father had it before that, and he possessed it a good long while perhaps its powers are not as obvious as your blade's. The cloak grimaced at Quinn's violation of etiquette. One did not discuss another's blade, but the cloak's sword had an ostentatious power that was not secret even among those outside of the order. It coursed with flames when drawn from its scabbard, and it often chose to immolate its victims even as it cut their bodies. One of the men turned his palms up. Perhaps the blade provides Miss Psy with her Mercosine powers. There's a hammer and veil that does something similar, though it requires renewal through the use as an executioner's sledge. Quinn grimaced at the notion. Shadline weapons offered more than a keen edge that never needed a hone. Some required specific uses to keep the power active. Others, like hers, provided perpetual benefits without cost. At least no cost she knew. Her blade, simply known as Black, kept her footsteps silent. It even seemed to mask her smell, for she had traipsed past sleeping dogs and them none the wiser. The younger of the two Shadline women, who sported a rose-colored tunic and matching trousers, leaned back in her chair. Her eyes were veiled, but she was clearly looking at the cloak. If you had Kyla Sai in front of you, why didn't you just throw her over your shoulder and bring her here? Quinn blurted out a laugh that ended in an embarrassing snort. One does not simply throw Kyla's sigh over one's shoulder. The cloak frowned at her for her lack of decorum. I do not make a habit of abducting members into our order. As I said, the stories about us are well known, and most naive Shadlines are relieved to be contacted. The Shadline weapons are usually not so subtle in their powers— or their demands. But Quinn may be correct that long exposure to the blade has blinded Carla to its powers. For Keen to have remained secret so long, its power must not be particularly obvious. And it is a wondrous lucky thing one of our own spotted it and knew it for what it was, else it might eventually do Carla or someone else great harm. It is a knife. Its whole purpose is to do harm. Quinn immediately realized she should have kept her mouth shut, but another man started laughing. He was silenced by a glare from the cloak. Intentional harm, yes, the cloak said. But Cain may be a thirsty blade, and may seek out flesh more urgently the longer it has been denied. Quinn puckered her lips and made a popping noise. I didn't know that part. I didn't know that part so it can just fly out of the sheath and stab someone? Don't be ridiculous, the cloak said. A Shadline weapon can influence one's thoughts in subtle ways, make the holder do its bidding through long, constant pressure upon the mind. Just as black led you to break into Radiant Hiale's great house. Had you resisted, you might have attempted an even more foolish caper a ten day later. Quinn changed the subject. I will speak to Kyla. Once she understands that the Shadline order is real and that she needs training, I'm sure she'll speak the oaths. She may be a bit feral, but she's not stupid. Besides, she could use more order in her life. That is exactly what I summoned you here to ask. Quinn stifled the burst of air that she'd nearly blown through her lips. When the cloak asked one to do something, one did it. The polite phrase was silly. But one also didn't call out the cloak for being silly. He had enormous power, and could send you a thousand leagues to fetch a particular sort of onion if the whim took him. She had heard he'd done nearly that with the previous holder of black. It took that man four years to complete the mission, but he'd apparently grown into his responsibilities as a result. If I may be excused, Quinn said, I'll go find her. She often stays with some boys who tend an Atlan barn in Lower Terraceide the cloak nodded his assent, and Quinn departed. This was not exactly how she'd planned to spend her day, but at least she was still looking for Kyla. The mission gave her a boost of enthusiasm, too, as she hustled downslope to terraside, and then, feeling somewhat silly, she ascended to the roofway. She didn't go as fast as she'd seen Kyla run, and some of the jumps were much too far for her, but she made better time on the roofs than by winding down the Street of Sorrows. When she got within sight of the atlin barn, she stopped to catch her breath. And then she dropped into a crouch. For just beneath her, winding slowly along the alleys, was a group of the watch led by a don'ts master. They were heading straight for the atlin barn. And no coincidence, they had to be looking for Kyla. If she was in there, she would be cornered. And Henley, too. The poor lad had come out of the cathedral looking like the fabled hermit of Craw Cavern. If he were retaken, she doubted he would ever see sunlight again.